It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Met site, Amazing Avenue. It's our NLCS Game 1 recap. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. With me is Steve Sippa. Steve, I just saw you an hour ago. That is very true. We should have recorded in the bar, but my phone died. Uh, it was also very loud, so... It would have been some nice ambiance. I'm very tired. I've been up since 6, I was in the city for 15 hours, between watching Sheffield Wednesday, going to CMJ shows, eating tacos, and watching the Mets game. Hey, you can't complain about eating tacos and watching the Mets game. I really can't complain about anything that happened today. <laughs> Least of all the fact that the Mets are up 1-0 on the Cubs. And a big reason for that, Steve, Matt Harvey. He looked good. He looked good. Um, I don't want to scoop myself because I'm writing about Harvey for my Game 1 recap over at Baseball Prospectus. But I think we really do need to sort of just 
forget all the bullshit for a minute. Over the course of his career, 2012, middle of 2012, to the end of 2015, whatever measure you want to use, ERA, FIP, DRA, K-rate, any pitcher in baseball not named Clayton Kershaw, basically, Matt Harvey stacks up with them. Matt Harvey is an ace. This is what tonight. Yeah, and that's what he showed tonight. This is what he can do. And he didn't really even have everything. He didn't have the top end velocity or the slider consistently. It was freezing. It was a cold, windy night in October. Everybody's stuff looked down a little bit. But he went out there and gave seven plus. To come back her off his shoulder. Stayed in the game. I guess all that extra padding he added over the last couple of years has helped. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. Look at the line score. Game one in the NLCS. It's a very good lineup. It's a team that is favored to beat them. You're matching up with a playoff-tested pitcher on the other side, in the other dugout. Matt Harvey shoved. That is what happened. It was perfect through four, was it? Yeah, four, uh, 12 up, 12 down. Yeah. And really, I don't want to say he got unlucky. Uh, you know, he hit Rizzo on an 0-2 pitch that, you know, a slider that got away from him a little bit. Uh, you know, if Ligaris makes a better read on the Starling Castro double... You know, maybe he takes a shot out into the eighth. We don't know sequencing and whatnot, but regardless, up until you know, Schwarber absolutely decimated. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> you know, he like he like emphatically dropped the bat too. It would really be a hypocrite for me to complain about this, even though they were down three runs. Because if that if if I did that, I would have done more than just emphatically drop the bat. <laughs> That was impressive. You know, with the way that Harvey was pitching and just how crushed that ball was, he deserved to emphatically drop that ball. You watch a little bit, admire your handiwork. That's fine. And then Familia did Familia things. Closed it down, a four-out save. He also didn't look particularly sharp. He's pitched a lot in the series. Again, the weather wasn't great. Didn't seem to have feel for everything through a lot of sinkers. And in the postgame, Terry Collins is talking that he might not be available for tomorrow. So I, Steve Sippa, am looking forward to Closer Bart. <laughs> it has we've, to be. We've seen Fireman Bart. It's time for Closer Bart. He's earned his chance. You know, I'm familiar generally, I was looking at it. He's only struck out, I think he's faced 22 batters now in the postseason. He's only struck out two of them. I don't know really? if I should be concerned about that or not. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that sort of, like, confused me, too. I don't know if... Let me see if Brooks has the updated data. Because it feels like he's been missing bats. Yeah. 
Like he's been getting ahead of guys with swinging strikes, but it just could again be a, like a, a, a small sample thing where he just isn't getting uh, strikeouts in this, you know, four and wait, I can do math, five and a third. I pitched to five and two thirds <laughs> innings. I think that's right. It's very late and I'm very tired. Um. Like, tonight he looked a little off. You know, and he's pitched five times in nine games. He's pitched multiple innings three times. He's pitched five out of the six games. In the playoffs, the Mets have played. I'm tap dancing while I look up Brooks Baseball data. Um, I was a bit surprised that Collins went with Familia. I mean, I know that Reed was warming up, and I know that... He literally does not trust anyone else in that bullpen. Yeah, I mean... Like, the Mets' strategy is use only starters in J.R.'s Familia. (laughs) I think Clippard's it's throwing one inning. Yeah. I mean, it's great until it stops working. But I don't blame him. You know, when the, the last couple of weeks of the season, every time Clippard came in the game, I've had a little heartburn. But, I mean, there comes a point when you have to put him in the games here, especially if you're starting to burn out familiar. Yeah, so he's still getting... Uh... I should make notes of this, and then compare it to the larger sample for the season. So he's getting whiffs on 9% of his sinkers, 41% of his sliders. Oh my god. And 20, I mean, it's, he's thrown 17 of them. And they've swung at 64.71% of it. I can do math. Um, That's... 10? 10 out of 17? And they whiffed on 8 of them? I think that's right. That might not be right. It doesn't matter. It's late and this beer was drunk. Yeah. So yeah, the... uh, He's getting slightly fewer swinging strikes on his splitter, but there's it's such a small sample for that, I don't know if that's meaningful, both overall on the pitch and certainly in the last five outings. I don't know if this has been updated for tonight or not. Uh, more swings and misses with the slider, and a little bit fewer with the sinker. So I, I think overall his whiff rate's probably pretty similar to what it was during the regular season. It's just not significant that he's not getting them with two strikes, I don't think. Because outside of tonight, it's not like he's really given up any hard contact in his previous outings. Uh, offhand, I can't think of any hits that he's really given up. Yeah. The sort of, like, too long didn't season. read here is J.R. Smilly is still probably pretty good closer. Hmm. I wonder what Henry Mejia is doing right now. I don't know. <sighs> Growing out his hair, I hope. I hope. Actually, I think he's pitching in the Dominican Winter League. Oh, is he? Oh, I, I think I saw that on Twitter, which is weird. I thought the winter league usually um, yeah, if it's an acknowledges major league suspensions, yeah. but he might just be. Tom might have just noticed he's on a roster because he's still probably assigned to a team that has his rights for that because he's pitched there before. So that was the pitching, Steve. The offense, once again, driven by Daniel Murphy. 
he picked a damn good time to get hacked. I didn't see it. I was in the bathroom. I heard it went into the second deck. It did. Pepsi right Torch, if you will. I literally like, got into the bathroom and just heard. I knew he was up. I heard a like a, a loud cheer. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't particularly, the bar we were at was not particularly full of Mets fans. So it could have been just, you know, like a base hit. Maybe a double up the gap. But as soon as I went into the bathroom and heard someone cheer, I'm like, oh, Murph hit another home run off a good lefty. Because at this point, you just expect it. Seriously. One home run off of a lefty the entire season, not three, in the postseason, two of which were against Kershaw. I mean, this is the beauty of the playoffs. I mean, we often use small sample size as a pejorative, <laughs> but if this was just a normal week of the season, like, okay, whatever. Monday morning, Chris McShane gives him the uh, flaming Dickie fireball <laughs> yep. at Meter Avenue Audio, and we go on with our lives. But, you know, this is the in the playoffs. Everything's high leverage. Everything. Every little thing gets amplified because of that. Talking about pennant leverage, championship leverage. And we know Murph can do this. He's a streaky hitter. It's a good thing that he's been uh, picking it up because, unfortunately, Cespedes and Wright have uh, been not uh, hitting particularly well. Summer of Wilmer, Autumn of Murph. <laughs> so from here on out, um, I think the Mets definitely needed to get a split against Arietta and Lester, so they've already gotten that. They can steal one tomorrow, and, you know, Syndergaard's capable of going out there and matching bullets. Um, with Arietta. I wouldn't expect it, but that really changes the shape of the series if they can win uh, both games in the city. And that place will be nuts if it happens. Um, I think, and again, this is a one-game sample. I haven't watched a ton of the Cubs so far uh, in the playoffs because I was... I think I saw good chunks. I think it was uh, either driving home from work for games one and two. Is that right? At least game one. I watched game two, I think. Games three and four was kind of like mucking about in the press box, so I didn't see a ton of it. So take this with as many doses of salt as you prefer. But, you know, they, this lineup's good. They're going to get theirs. But you can pitch them. There's a lot of swing and miss in this lineup. And you can say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a lot of swing and miss against Matt Harvey. And Matt Harvey is a very good pitcher. Which he is. The Mets have three other very good pitchers that throw hard. And this was the worst lineup in baseball against starters that throw 95+. plus. Is that significant? Again, we're talking about probably small samples. But, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, or at this point, at the beginning of another day, because it's one in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> the Mets have to win three more games against the Cubs. 
and they have to win four more games after that. It's a simple thing, a simple statement. It's also incredibly hard. But... It's starting to feel real now. Seven games away from winning at all. I mean, let that sink in for a second. I mean, they were the underdogs against the Dodgers, I think fairly, because of the Cranky Kershaw four times thing. That's just the the nature of odds. The Dodgers weren't necessarily a better team overall, but you know, they were built specifically, not specifically to win a five-game series, but the way their team laid out, they were going to be particularly dangerous in a five-game series. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Cubs are a very good team. There's a lot of young talent. Even with uh, Russell out. Now, Baez looked pretty good at short tonight. He didn't really get challenged on anything, and most of the plays he made that were impressive were more sort of like raw athleticism type things than like polished shortstoppy type things. But he made them. I can't take that away from him. And he's scary. I mean, you saw on the, on the base hit that Suspedis threw Castro out on. He can get the bat through the zone fast. And I was a little nervous when Harvey challenged him with guys on base late. But yeah, trust your stuff. And again, there's a lot of swing and miss in that lineup. <laughs> That's something the Mets pitchers can exploit. Three more games. And Matt Harvey is uh, lined up for game five. And that's... I think more comforting than it might have been a few days ago. Definite advantage to us there. In terms of pitching, anyway. Yeah. You know, if they can, like I said, if they can steal one tomorrow and go out to Chicago for, you know, DeGrom against Hendricks. <laughs> Once again, advantage us. It's the uh, good vibrations flowing. I think we have an email. I'm dying on the vine here. <laughs> I recall vaguely something about Daniel Murphy and Sami Zayn. Oh, yeah, it's a wrestling question, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Oh, wait, there's three I questions. Like... They're all about Murph. Of course. Yeah, why not? It's amazing Murphy Avenue. Murph and Avenue Audio? Murph and Avenue Audio. Uh, right, before we do emails, we do housekeeping. Okay, of I course. can do this. Hang on. <laughs> it's only one thirty in the morning. This is Amazing Avenue Audio, episode 148. I feel like, the, like I'm going to get some kind of like super cold over the next week. So 
the last like week plus, my body has just been completely off its normal rhythm, rails, whatever. It's not even the the going to bed late. It's just it's the whole playoff thing. That's putting undue pressure on you. They keep winning games like you having to write things. <laughs> Damn them. When I signed up, yeah, with baseball protective, Sam's like, hey, can you do all like the the Mets playoff coverage? I'm like, yeah, that should be fine. If they make it. It was like early September, I figured they'd make it, but and they're gonna keep winning games. I have to keep coming up with things to say. Fortunately Matt Harvey shoved. So that helps. I'm just going to start over. Before we do emails, we do housekeeping. This is Amazing Avenue Audio, episode 148. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. You can find us on the internet at AmazingAvenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Amazing Avenue. You can find the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Amazing Avenue Audio and you listeners subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast. You can also find the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com slash Mason Avenue. Or listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post on Mason Avenue proper. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. My co-host this, this week... He's been on a few times for this episode. Whatever. Steve Sippa. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at Steve Sippa. That was a housekeeping. These are your emails. You can email the podcast. Podcast at AmazingAvenueAudio.com Steve, I said it was going to be 15 minutes. It's, I think I said it was going to be 10 minutes. It's already 20. Jeff and Significant hey, Podcast, oh, they're just it. quiet, I'm going to just read these. This is awesome. Murph gonna Murph, and Murphy did. Does this go down as the best Met performance in a series? I'm not looking that up. I didn't prep this, and I'm not going to look it up. I'm There's probably a Carlos no Beltran series in there that was some that was better. Yeah. If I had to guess, off the top of my head, I'll look it up, fine. Um, I did see, because I looked it up, I know that Murph hit 333, 833, 8-10 in the uh, divisional series. That'll play. That will play. I feel like Beltran's, like, Mets series were slightly worse than his, like, other playoff series. Like, he had a big series for the Cardinals and, of course, a bunch of uh, big series for the... Astros. Yeah. Um, no, his uh, his best series was... You may not know this, Steve. As a Met, his best series was the uh, NLCS against the Cardinals. Really? Yeah. I only recall one moment. Where he hit 296, 387, 667 with three bombs. That was only his fourth best series, playoff series, of his career. I think I've read off his playoff numbers before on the podcast, but we're going to do it again. For Houston, the division series against the Braves, 
He went 455, 500, 1091. <laughs> and then the NLCS against the Cardinals. He went 417, 563, 958. Uh, slipping a little bit there. And then his his other big series was for the Cardinals against the Nationals in the Divisional Series in 2012, 444, 542, 944. For his career in the playoffs... 223 plate appearances. 332, 441, 674. 35 walks, 26 strikeouts. One of which will live in infamy. Yes, not one of the walks. I know it sounds crazy, but it's up there. It might be the best. I'm not going through all their series. I'm refusing to use commas. I am so excited that no punctuation cannot contain me. So two questions. One, how drunk were you at the time we clinched? Um, I didn't drink much at bowling. Um, I had the I had a tequila shot before we started. When I bowled, I didn't drink a ton because I figured I was going to need to save up the energy for the bar after bowling. And then by that point, I was just tired because I was a lot of whack all week at work and all week, the two days I went to work, um, coming off the two days in New York for Games 3 and 4. So I was not that drunk. I was drunk on life. <laughs> I was actually pretty sedate, but I did almost like when they finally, when Familia finally got the strikeout and the series, I did almost, like, jump through the floor of the bowling alley. I jumped at least as high as Jair's Familia. But did you continue jumping on the invisible pogo stick? No, I only jumped once. Mm. Two. Does the hate man come back if the Mets win the series against the Cubs? <laughs> uh, no. He does not. But you can read his piece on one more Flores that I tweeted out this afternoon that is excellent. I recommend it. P.S. Extra bonus round question. Put yourself back in college. Then decide, out of all the Mets besides Bartolo and Uribe, who would you most like to get completely hammered with? I think this was already like an opening question at some point. It had to have been. Then we're not going to answer it. Go back and listen to the podcast where we answered this question. Every single episode. Yeah, until you find it. I don't know which one it is. You'll have to guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't It won't be in the notes for the episode either, so. Our next email is from Rob. Gentlemen, just click with me. With all the post-game interviews, how much Daniel Murphy resembles NXT superstar Sami Zayn? Come to think of it, we haven't seen Zayn in a while. Some sort of shoulder issue, right? I believe so. Yeah. I know he's popping up on an Evolve show, because I still get those emails. <laughs> I think like, yeah, w, like, weekend, Sapolsky's company has weekend. some sort of a working agreement with the WWE now. And he just signed a bunch of their guys like Gargano, I think, signed. And Come to think of it, Chompa. come to keep thinking of it, we haven't really seen Zayn since Murph began to turn his season around in August-ish. Could it be that sometimes around mid-season, Murph, stuck in the doldrums of a middling season, called up his doppelganger, the ultimate underdog, Sami Zayn, and the two of them pulled off a parent trap style switcheroo. Also, should be disappointed no violence was inflicted against Chase Utley, enemy of civilization this series. Or should I be happy that I have some Met 
on Utley Violence to look forward to next season. Don't hit Chase Utley. It just doesn't matter. It's over. <laughs> He's on the golf course. Finally, to get me in the right mindset, please to explain to me what's hateable about the Cubs. Yours in the fight, Rob. Um, I thought Murph was looks like the dude from Chicago Code. I thought that was the thing. That I always see on Twitter. I don't know what dude from the Chicago Code. I don't watch the Chicago Code. There's a tweet about the Cub about Cubs fans that I can't find. I haven't been able to find, but I've wanted to reference recently. I'm sure it's a doozy. But it's something about the combination of like an inferiority complex and just like absolute smugness at the same time. Sounds about right. Not that anyone on Matt's Twitter should be casting aspersions or throwing stones. <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that, but... No. My thing with the Cubs is that they got, you know, a hundred-year losing streak going. Why Why would you want to see that broken? That should just keep <laughs> going and going and going. My last email is from David. I'm just petering out at this point. I feel like I've sort of maybe answered some of... <laughs> these emails so far dudes one why is no one considering murph as a long-term option at first we just had an email about this a month ago we have a long tradition of doubles hitters at first why not murph by the way the title of the email is murph the next the new hernandez i can't see murph in a mink stole especially because dude is not is just not worth resigning <laughs> we seem to have enough power in the infield murph is perfect um, so, I mean, they're not re-signing Duda, but he's still cheap. Two more years of ARB. Team control. And look, maybe this power surge is real. I saw Joe and tweet out, it was like a 533 slugging since August. Um, and he's work, supposedly worked with Kevin Long on some of this stuff. And we know what happened the last time the Mets uh, let a defensively challenged middle infielder that had a power surge the last month of their season go. He turned into Justin Turner. Well, I mean, he didn't turn into Justin Turner. I'm talking about Justin Turner. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> you need to go to sleep. I do. Um... I mean, I'm. I think they should at least give him a qualifying offer now. And you know, realistically, you don't know what you're getting out of right at third next year. How well his body is going to hold up? Uh, Dilson Herrera is not a a a sure shot at second. I like Dilson a lot. I think he should be given a shot to win the job. But having Murph as, a, as insurance is not the worst idea in the world. You just have to make the numbers work. Um, 
Yeah. He's not going to first base. Bat's not going to play there. I don't know where the rest of the power in this yeah. infield is, supposedly. With, like, bad back right and Flores yanking to Kai fastballs. That's the rest of the infield. That's all you need. Just take Kai fastballs. And if you're moving Murph to first, you're starting, like, Tejada, who has no power. Two, why is no one getting on Ethier for catching that foul ball sack fly last night? Um, it's a reference to the catching game five that tied the game. Uh, with Grenke on the mound, you have to believe he can get the strikeout. To me, that's a bonehead play. Regards, Dave. Um, it's like, you don't train for that, essentially. Yeah. It's like the football you players remembering to kneel on the one-yard line. Guaranteed. To run out the clock or whatever. You don't, you practice catching baseballs. Your instinct, every instinct you have honed over your baseballing career as a professional tells you to catch that ball. And it was early enough in the game that I don't think you can really sort of, um, you know, try to sort of game the situation. That's my answer. Yeah, and you you just don't take a chance like that. Yeah, you catch the ball, you get the out, and that's that. Those are your emails. Once again, you email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. I need to plug in my computer. It's about to run out of battery at the end of the podcast. I'm in my friend's <laughs> attic in Sunnyside at the moment, so i got to find an outlet. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do that and then go to bed, I think. That's a good plan. Sounds good. Alright, we'll be back tomorrow for our NLCS Game 2 recap on Amazing Avenue Audio. <laughs>